Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast, the podcast that's more 90s than Fred Elliott's butcher shop. Ashley, yeah, I used to get that all the time at school. Uh, my name's Ash Rose, your host and your guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. And joining me, as always, live from the tavern of Twitter, the football tavern indeed, Mr Ed Chambers. How you doing, Ed? I am very well, Ashley. Good to uh, good to see you, mate. I hope you had a good weekend. Um at this point, I should probably drop in that it was your birthday. So I hope you had a good. It was. I hope you had a good weekend, mate. Um, the Queen was kind enough to give us four days off for my birthday. That was the only celebration <laughs> kind of going on in the in the Rose yeah. household. So thank she, you very she, much, she, Queenie. Yeah, she tried to steal your thunder a bit, really, didn't she? Damn with having so, her own yeah. sort of live show along the mail and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. um, I felt I like you know the weekend. Live show. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like the weekend at times was a bit like um, sort of waiting for a fitness race to see if, if somebody was fit for the World Cup. It was like, is the Queen going to make this event? Yeah. Or no, she's pulled out of that friendly and that friendly. Uh, and there she was at the end. She made it. So, um, yeah, it was a bit like that. Um, but I watched I watched a bit of the concert on Saturday night. Yes. I don't know. We'll probably go on to our music in a minute. But there was a few acts that I was like, Sorry, who who are you? Like, I I, I honestly didn't know. I haven't uh, seen much of it. I saw yeah, I saw, I saw no. Diana Ross, and I think you took yeah. it out actually. It made me yeah. think of obviously World Cup '94 and that yes. opening ceremony and that miss. Um, yes, yeah. that's that's right. But yeah, so Diana Ross was on it, and and obviously you get the old favourites like Queen and Rod Stewart and stuff. But there was a few acts in between that I no, I, I didn't know who they were. Diversity so, were they on it? I saw they were. On yeah, it. diversity. That was yeah, that was alright. Yeah, no, I that, yeah, no, no, it's not for me, Clive. If, if I, I should have done my own Jubilee live celebrations, and I, you know, could have yeah. got Love City Groove and uh, exactly, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Hanson, obviously. Who well, you, well, well, yeah, I'd have, I'd have muted that bit. I think, I think I needed to watch something after um, watching England away in Hungary at uh, five o'clock on yeah. Saturday. Did you see it? I saw, I didn't watch it live because I was doing no. birthday shenanigans, um, but I saw, I call it the highlights on Channel 4, yeah. very random, yeah. That's, we haven't yeah, watched that at all, very random, it's like when Channel 5 got the England highlights at the end yeah. of the 90s, it's very random, yeah. but I think they did a decent job of it, but yeah, um, I mean, I'm not a fan of the Nations League because I just think it's, I know that what they've tried to do with friendlies, they try yeah. to kind of sexy them up a bit and, yeah, jazz them up a bit, but they're glorified, and I think, Gareth Southgate is open enough to say they're still glorified friendly. There's no kind of, oh no, yeah. we lost to Hungary in the Nations League. We might get relegated. It's kind of, no. Yeah. It's World it's Cup not, prep. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, on the, on the one hand, I think there's two, for me, there was two sides to the game. That and the fact that I think on the one hand, you're right, I think the Nations League is an end of season tournament that the players could do without. Certainly, Certainly players that have played in European competition um, as well, sort of, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, West Ham, City, etc. They've all played 50, 60 yeah. games in some circumstances and they all probably just want to go on holiday now before the start of the... And it's an early start for the next season. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So they probably just want to go on holiday. But on the flip side, the other side of it was that this is still, for me, this is the best group of talent England yeah. have had for a very very long time we're strong in every position possibly apart from centre-back I think yeah. and in the attacking sense we've got so many different options but it didn't look like it on Saturday and I, I love Harry Kane I think Harry Kane's a fabulous footballer but we have to try and get a system that suits him in the way that Tottenham do with Son running off yeah. him because Harry Kane kept dropping deep and he'd play the ball out to Bowen or Mount, which were great balls, but 
then they didn't have anyone to then pass into. So um, so they probably have to try and work work on that somehow. I mean, Foden wasn't there as well, so maybe that was a, another another thing. But I I hate Harry Kane dropping deep. I know he's become this kind of he's brilliant at it. He's playmaker, and he's and he's got yeah. you know. I think last season he got the assist in the assist awards and whatever yeah. it was. But I'm like I'm old. Yeah, this is a '90s football podcast. I'm old school. Yeah. I want my brilliant striker, England's to be yeah. record goal scorer, to be in the box. Yeah, and finish yeah. the chances. And yeah, I mean there was I, one point point in the second half we were pushing for. A, Pushing for an equaliser, and Kane had the ball out on the wing, and he's a great crosser as well. Yes, he yeah, do, yeah, and he, he whipped this ball in, but he whipped it into exactly where he should have been standing, and that's well, the problem. And we didn't have anybody bursting from from midfield at that point. So, yes, on the one hand, it is a nation's league, it is annoying, but there are little things that need to be tweaked before November hits. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, well, we've got two massive games. Yeah, which two massive now includes, games coming up. Yeah, which now includes Wales. So congratulations to uh, it does. Yeah, first time in sixty whatever years. I think they mentioned yeah. it a few times last on the on the game last night. So, but no, congrats to, to Wales. It's good to see them yeah. in a group. It's always adds a bit of spice, doesn't it? Having a derby, absolutely. Which was was it? Euro twenty twelve. They're in the same group. I want uh, to say no, it was uh, sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, with, sixteen. When yeah, Jamie Vardy yeah. and uh, Daniel yeah, Sturridge. Sturridge, Sturridge, Sturridge got yeah. the late winner, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's good to see them. But no, uh, yeah, I mean. I think with the Kane thing, quickly before we move on, um, I just you almost want two of him, didn't you? I don't know if they ever try yeah. Tammy and yeah. Pam up front with Kane off him. I would like that. I want, I want Kane to be up there, but you know, Kane, they could swap. I don't know. Southgate. I think, you know, I, I think. Um, sorry to interrupt you. Though, I, I think um, Sterling off of Kane is is, is yes. better option for England because Sterling can make those make those runs. He's not for whatever reason. Sterling isn't always everybody's cup of tea. He hasn't played as much for Man City this year possibly as in previous years but he's still a very good footballer I mean you look at the Euros last year we scored what four four goals I think yeah um so I mean he's he's an option I think you know Sancho is an option um you know obviously you've got your Foden's your mounts your Grealish's it depends what way you want to play but listen to that talent that's talent up front not many other nations have got that yeah and um and and that's what we need to be focusing on is scoring goals not being too defensive or too kind of taking a one nil and holding it, let's let's blitz teams. Do you know what I mean? I think the, the opportunity is there to to get two or three goals against certain teams. I really do. Here's um, my only criticism of Southgate because I'm not yeah. jumping on his back, but he no. doesn't like to sort of unleash. It's, it's, you know, it, it's why we lost the final in, in 2021 because yes. But I always yeah. say those first 20 minutes, they Italy were gone. They were done. Oh, yeah, we've said it before in here as well. Yeah. I think if that was a boxing, if that was a boxing match, yeah, it would have been stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah it it a second been. goal and it would have been all over. Yeah, yeah. It, absolutely. Yeah. That, so that I think is a bit day. too is a bit too conservative at times. But as yeah. you say, that's for a, that's for another day and probably another podcast. That's exactly. Um, for us, I mean, we, we should talk before we let our guest in and we we allude to what we're talking to about today. But we should quickly mention as we've been doing over the past few weeks. Saturday night. Well, it wasn't on this Saturday. It was previous Saturday because yeah. um, of all the. I think the cricket was on BBC Two this Saturday, which you couldn't name a thing more to turn me off. Something. Sorry to any cricket fans listening. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, top of the box ninety nine. So we've reached the end of the decade. Um, yeah. So I think we're allowed to talk about two thousand next week because that's you know I think that's still within the realms so. of yeah I think so yeah, yeah. the back end of the nineties even all of all but name I suppose you could call it but I thought nineteen ninety nine was an interesting year. The yes, doc- the documentary again, as we've said about this documentary before, it had some interesting focus. Like, yes, who I don't think in my entire life would I ever thought I'd watch 10 15 minutes on television. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't even remember terrorism. No, I remember tequila, I and I was like, oh yeah, yeah tequila. Yeah, didn't like it at the yeah. time. No. I could. I could never have told you who sang, who produced that song. Um, never ever could have told you that. Yeah, I think um, it's all, the whole show and the, the the hits thing afterwards. It just made me realise because this was kind of my last innings at school. This was GCSE time, yeah, and yeah. And the whole garage kind of scene yeah. with Chocolate Boy and Artful Dodger, like oh, I I wasn't massively into it. I liked no. the main, I liked the mainstream stuff because I was that's what I heard. But I just yeah. remember all the cool cats, all the cool kids at my school. That's what they were listening to, trying sneaking yeah. out to clubs. You know, that's yeah. how I learned cho- that Chocolate Boy existed. Yeah, um, Craig David obviously coming into fruition as well. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So that was kind of, so yeah, got turned around fats and small, these big oh, smiley face. Yeah, I know. And I think um you know, this is gonna sound sound ridiculous, but I've, uh, throughout all of these shows, it's obviously very nostalgic and you and you look back and 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 all that sort of stuff. But with this one, it you know, we're we're only 39, right? Just to give away our ages in case anybody oh, didn't dear. know, right? So so we 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 right, so we we're not like mega old or anything right but sometimes you look back at something you think you, you do look at something and you think i am actually getting a bit older do you know what i mean like you have a moment of kind of yeah. oh right and watching this show was kind of that for me because i yeah 99 did my gcse's somehow got enough to scrape into sixth form you like you know though in between as years yeah and you'd be like yeah. in the common room and as you say like Radio One or Beyond or whatever, and you'd hear like the Craig David stuff about five times a day, fats and small, like you've already mentioned. And and it was like at that point, you're going to, you are sneaking into bars and you are going to clubs and you're hearing this music on constant loop. Now, I don't mind the fats and small tune. I'm not a big fan of the Craig David tune that was on there, um, Rewind. I've never really been a massive fan of that. Um, <laughs> I suppose it was Artful Dodger as well, but yeah, I've never really been a big fan of that. Um, but it was, you know, Trevor Nelson was right on the show when he said it was a huge year for Garage, and um, he was right. But also, um, I forgot about, um, I forgot about Britney Spears. That yeah, was in of course. As well. yeah, massive. But what was what was weird about Britney Spears at the time, right? Was that that was the first time when you realised that you're getting older that she was basically the same age as us. She was yeah. like a year. She's about a year or so older than us. True. Like, wow, yeah. she's she's the same age. Whereas, before, like when you're looking back at '96, for example, you're like 13. Yeah. Like everyone's yeah. sort of six, seven, ten years older. But it was kind of like, oh wow, we're getting to that age where people that are producing songs are the same age as us. Yeah, and, I thought um, that about Michael Owen as well. I always think that because he was only he's only a couple of years older than us, and I always think that looking yeah. back that when we were sitting there cheering him on at France '98, he was only like yeah. a year or so. In, in school terms, he'd been like the year above or the next year. And it was kind of yeah. like, you didn't think that at the time. You were just like, oh, an England footballer. But actually, he could have been yeah. your, your older brother's best mate. Like, exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's kind of strange. I always remember yeah. the, the Box Music Channel, which is which, oh, yeah. which used to be, you used to phone in your, the song choice, yes, kids, that you wanted to listen to. And the Box yeah. would then play with the code, blah, blah, blah. And there are two songs in the 90s that I remember that, I think I saw like three times in a row. It rarely happened. They'd play one song and then whoever's choice would be next. Very rarely would you see the same song because that's bad TV, but they must have got so yeah. many requests. And it was yeah. when Spice Girls first released Wannabe. So that used to come on on a loop and a loop and all the time. And Britney yeah. Spears' Baby One More Time. I think a lot of them had to do that with impressionable young teens. I was going to say, I think <laughs> there's, a, there's a hormone element to yeah, that. Totally. Um, yeah, totally. I think the need, the need to see five women dancing in the Spice yeah. Girls and then a... 
basically someone in a school uniform in Britney Spears. Totally, you know, I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's probably I got a lot to do with that as well. But mm. um, you know, it was great. I mean, there was some you know some decent bits to the show. A bit disappointed that Fiddly Quay wasn't there again. Yeah, he'd um, gone. He'd gone. He's obviously finished. The peak, the peak of Fiddly Quay had ended. Yeah, he's 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 um effed off home and and yeah and. You know, I mean, like Travis did a bit, and there was like Ricky yeah. Martin, and there was like, but there was almost like I don't know about you, but like it was almost two sides to um, like your going out life at the time. So it was go- like I say, like going sneaking into clubs and hearing Craig David and all that sort of stuff. But you'd go to like 18th birthday parties or 17th yeah. birthday parties or whatever, and it was all tragedy by steps and all that kind of um, music. I hate, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know that um, Bring It Back song? Um, oh, Maloko. Yeah. Can't stand it. Yeah, no, oh, never liked it. I had a, no, I had a girlfriend cool. at the time who loved all that. Like, I don't, I was I was quite a little bit scared, as I said, but I hated dance, always have. It's not my thing. Just right. kind of, and that kind of Maloko-y kind of, like, sash earlier in the 90s and all that. I never yeah. was into all that, but I had a girlfriend at the time who loved it. And I hear those and I kind of cringe going, oh, God, yeah, that... That t- and if I'm saying someone's got terrible taste in music, then it's it's saying a lot because mine is obviously, <laughs> as we've established, very terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think true. I think I will finish on this because we've got because we've got our guest on the waiting room. But the only thing what I would notice about 1999 in the music, and I think this was indicative of what was to come. I think it felt a bit more serious. It started to get less fun, and isn't and that's yeah. what we always say about the, like football in the 90s. I think it becomes. I don't know if that was a cultural shift. Yeah. I don't know if I, you know, as you said, that was a that wasn't a time that we would notice because we were in our definite girls yeah. drink partying, being young kind of years. Yeah. But I just feel like you know you had steps and you know you had Ricky Martin and stuff. Yeah, Martin McCutcheon being the number one made me laugh. Um, yeah, well, who knew she could sing? Well, uh, who, who knew who knew she she was still alive? I yeah, thought exactly. she got knocked yeah. down by Frank Butcher. So yeah, who well, knows? You know. And then she rocked up in Love Actually three years later. But yeah, exactly. it's, but I think it yeah, just spent a little bit more serious which i think is where we start to get into to the new millennium and stuff which yeah. you know it's when our our, our sulky almost ends but we'll do 2000 when that that hits uh, next saturday we'll yeah, do that just 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 one last just one last thing on this uh confession from me as well right so we've done 96 97 98 and now 99 right, right? so we talk about top of the pops as if we remember it i've got no recollection of watching top of the pops in that period at all. oh i have oh i definitely oh, i was a, i was a I was a proper tears by Friday lad, but I didn't. I didn't watch. I don't remember. I remember watching Top of the Pops before '96, but for some reason, I don't know if it was a shift to Friday nights. Yeah, maybe, but I've got no no memory of it. I remember watching it more on a Thursday because it used to be yeah. Top of the Pops, then EastEnders, then possibly Goodnight Sweetheart. After that, yeah. I don't know something like yeah. some sort of sort of that couple, but less on a Friday. But I definitely that logo, the colourful like square logo. I remember less than the previous logo, which is like the oval yeah. and the yeah. old TOTP. But yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm with you. Um, that switched to football though, when it was more fun as well. And that's letting yeah. our guests, and we can we will talk the subject. I mean, if you've downloaded this, you know the subject. We're we're cashing in on a certain promotion that happened a couple of weeks ago. We're talking my '90s and Nottingham Forest. We've got a brilliant guest, Matt Davis Adams, uh, who you know very well from the Totally Football Show, Chelsea TV. So. That's get cracking and talk a bit of Steve Stone, legend that is Ian Wone, and all the fun that Forrest had in the 1990s. After this. Before you get stuck into the brand new episode of Alive and Kicking, I'm delighted to announce a partnership with the amazing Footy Devotion. 
Footy Devotion have a brilliant range of t-shirts, coasters, prints and mugs, all illustrated by the amazing team at Footy Devotion and inspired by the 1990s as well, with a special range dedicated to Italian 90. And because you listen to Alive and Kicking, the original 1990s football podcast, you can get 10% off your order. Simply use the code AK90s at the checkout and you'll get 10% off. That's AK90s, so AK90S and 10% off your order. Jobs are good at. Check out Footy Devotion on Twitter at Footy Devotion and the whole range. I've got a few myself. I've got the brilliant 3pm sweatshirt. I'm looking at a brilliant QPR print kit I've got on my wall. And there's loads and loads to choose from, from World Cups to clubs and many, many more. So check out Footy Devotion. And as always, keep it 90s. Welcome back to Alive and Kicking. And as we were just ending the intro on there, today is another My 90s Day where we dive deep into a club sort of decade of the 1990s. And we're definitely, we're jumping on the bandwagon, people, because a couple of weeks ago, as we record this, Nottingham Forest were promoted to the Premier League for the first time since the 1990s, believe it or not, since 1999. So it would be remiss of us not to talk about Nottingham Forest. And a really interesting 1990s as well. And I think I've said on this show a few times, I do have quite a big soft spot uh, for Nottingham Forest. And I, actually, Ed does too, which we'll, we'll go on to in a second because uh, some something he was telling me pre-pod. But to, to help us and to tell his, the story of Forest in the 90s, one of my favourite people, actually. Uh, I've done many dealings with him in, in the past. If you, You'll know his voice if you listen to Chelsea TV or you're a fan of the, the Totally shows as well, Totally Football League show presenter as well, Totally Football show. Mr. Matt Davis-Adams. Matt, how are you doing, sir? Really well, Ash. Thank you for the invitation. It's, it's great to be able to talk about Forest and what was it? I'm thinking about it. Maybe the most significant decade in our history, I reckon. It could be. I mean, there's so much. Like we did Tottenham a few weeks ago. We called it a roller coaster. And I think they did kind of the ups and downs. But I think Forest, there was just a lot. There's always something. They didn't really have any dead years, did they, in the 90s? Yeah, I was looking at it um, when I was prepping for the show. And, and 90, we won the League Cup. 91 got to the FA Cup final. 92 lost the League Cup <laughs> final. Relegated 93. Promoted 94. Finished third. 95 quarterfinals of the UEFA Cup 96 97 98 not sure much oh won the championship 99 got relegated so (laughs) yeah yeah, like every year had something on it and given that like the previous or after that the subsequent 20 odd years had basically nothing of interest um it really was a golden period good and bad yeah I think I've I've I don't know what my soft spot comes from from Nottingham Forest I think I liked a lot of their football, like their players, even I think 1990, obviously, Des Walker and Stuart Pearce were such a massive part of that Italian 90 squad and they were big stalwarts of Forest. So I think that started it. And then that mid 90s team that you mentioned there finished third. And when you had, and I'm sure these names will prop up as we talk, but like the likes of Steve Stone and Brian Roy and even Mark Crossley, you know, he's kind of somebody who was just a very good Premier League goalkeeper. And Ed, you were telling me before we recorded, you've got some Forest roots in when you're growing up. I, I didn't even know this about you. So you've got yeah. some Forest as well. Yeah, I think I think the strange thing is actually talking about soft spots for Nottingham Forest. There seems to be a bit of an outpouring of people saying that they've got soft spots yeah. for Nottingham Forest. Uh, leading up to the playoff final, there seems to be a lot of people saying, oh, I hope Forest do it. It'd be good to see them back up in the Premier League. I don't know whether that a lot of that comes from sort of people's love of Brian Clough, for example, as you say there, Stuart Pearce, etc. But yeah, just to just to sort of say what I was saying to you pre-pod that um, when I was a kid, obviously living, we live sort of just on the outskirts of London, and 
my best mate, his dad was from Nottingham. So he was a Forest fan. So he passed that on to his son. Um, so I used to go to sort of London away games in the early, early 90s um, as a uh, as a as a kid. And I remember, like I was saying to you, I went to QPR and we actually, as we were kids, we actually got in for free. Can you imagine that in a okay. in a in in now the, the the guy at the turnstile just said, "I'll oh, lift you over." Yeah, you know, I tell that story to people now, and they they think it, it makes it sound like I was born in the thirties, but it, <laughs> you know, it was it was genuine. So yeah, I, I saw a lot of sort of sharing, like Teddy Sheringham sort of time at, for all season at Forest. There was a few London games I went to that year, and there was a couple of games I went to in the um, relegation year actually. Um, so, so yeah, I've yeah, I've always had a bit of an interest in in forest. I think a lot of that soft spot. I think there's a few factors. I think definitely Brian Clough is obviously a big one, but I think mm. pity is one too. You know, like <laughs> you don't have a soft spot for teams that win everything. True, nobody yeah. does. And because we've had this 23 years of, of abject misery, yeah. and people, you know, no more so than the listeners of this podcast, love nostalgia, mm. and and that's what Forest has been about for for the last. I mean, more than 23 years, you know, even when I was growing up, my mum went to the European Cup finals yeah. and, and that wow. was that, that I got told yeah. about, you know, ad nauseum. So it's always been about looking back throughout my lifetime, a lot of it with Forrest. And I think I that's think, why people I like think it. as well, um, Matt, I think that there's a few people that would like that like Forest because they also play good football, like good passing football. You'd always associate United and Forest with good passing football. Even when they were in that relegation year, they were, they were still trying to play football the right the right way and I think a lot of people kind of emphasize with that so I think there's a there's an element of good football as well in that as well do you like bit I mean it's like when you're called oh everyone's second team it's like sometimes it gets a bit because QPR had a lot of that not so much after the money they... came in, in, in sorry hold on a minute when did they have that <laughs> I, I meet a lot of people not maybe not second team but go oh I like QPR like really? yeah it's kind of like that's, a... that's... That's definitely a pity one, surely. Oh no, it's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. But Matt, it's like you're in, when you're a nice club, it means that you're no, not really a threat. You're just kind of there, and it, and a lot of it comes with pity and a few star players. Because I think a lot of the QPR thing comes from the 70s, where we had bowls. And, yeah, of course. And, that. and people used to like watching QPR, and they stuck with it. Loftus Road is like central-ish, you know, in London, and it's a you know tight little ground, and everyone like going there, and you can get a ticket. So I, I, I kind of get that. You kind of get the. Oh yeah, I like QPR. I like Forest. So I mean, it didn't help Huddersfield in the build-up. But let's quickly, Matt, talk about the. You know, we, we, this is a '90s podcast. But how was the day for you? I mean, we're recording this it's a couple of weeks since the promotion playoff final. As we said before, we recorded a terrible game, but that never matters in a playoff final. How how did the day go down for you? And finally, seeing you reach uh, the promised land, as they call it. It was amazing. I'd, I'd kind of said to myself, uh, so I went to the semi-final second leg against Sheffield United and, and got far too worked up about it. Like, you know, to the point where I, it was, I was worried about my health because it's so, because it was so tense and, you know, playoffs are, aren't they? They're horrible. So I tried to say to myself, I'm going to enjoy the final, whatever happens. And to be honest with you, I can say this now. I always thought we were going to win it. I just felt like the momentum was yeah. with us. Um, but I'd been to see Forest the last time there at Wembley in 1992 when they lost the League Cup final to Man United. And I think there was just a general mood that people were determined to enjoy it. You know, we felt that that the momentum was with us, but we also were one of, there's some mad stat, like there was well over a hundred teams who'd played at the new Wembley yeah. before Forest had. And, and that just, just didn't feel right. And it felt like we might not be here for a while again. So we ought to enjoy it whilst we're here. Um, and, and it meant that it was just a carnival atmosphere, you know, from the train down right the way to getting into the stadium. I went with my mum and my sister, uh, met some friends while we were there. 
And it was just a brilliant day. And and as soon as Forrest scored, the, the Forrest team that has been this season just gone, so good defensively. Mm. You didn't feel like Huddersfield were going to score. Now, we got massively helped out by the fact that they should have had two penalties. <laughs> Let's not gloss over that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they didn't get them and and, <laughs> and Forrest won. And the, the end of the game is something that will stay with me for the rest of my life. It must have been a good hour after the game finished before the players left the pitch. And the scenes of celebration which really summed up the unity between the team, the manager and the supporters, which is something which hasn't existed at Forest probably since the 90s. You know, there was a little period under Billy Davis in the 2010s when things were okay, But the atmosphere at the start of the season when Chris Hewton was manager was absolutely toxic. It was horrific, as bad as I could ever remember. And Steve Cooper, who's definitely channeled a bit of Brian Clough. You know, there's only one Brian Clough, but he's definitely tapped into that. And he has managed to turn it around. And and yeah, the scenes between the players and the supporters were so, so memorable, so special. It really was a a fantastic day. And, you know, we, we might end up going straight back down again, but the, the memories of that day won't be tarnished even if we do because it was you know it's obviously special having friends and family there as well but just seeing tens of thousands of people deliriously happy is is like a really really uplifting experience and and yeah it might be a while before we go back but I'm not bothered because we had that day yeah it's the same with keep going the 2014 playoff final I mean it's slightly different circumstances because we oh I enjoyed know, that one as well yeah of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> they still don't and they still don't like us in Derby but <laughs> I get that the playoff finals are the most excruciating and to lose them. I've been on that side. We lost in 20, uh, 2003 to Cardiff in Cardiff and they're horrible because your whole season is on one game and it's a horribly tense game. But when you win it, and I mean, we won it in the last minute, which is just puts the cherry on the top, but it is one of those days. It just becomes as part of the atmosphere. And I remember like the Bobby Zamora song being sung the whole way down Wembley Way and no one wanted to move. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a very party-like way to win and go up if you go up that way it's probably the best way because it's like a whole day of a party but I don't think I'd choose it I think you know the safety first option is probably usually the best way um but let's talk about another party atmosphere a party decade as we already said uh, for Nottingham Forest and well it's some parts of it as we've already mentioned in the 1990s uh we've got given you categories as we always do for my 90s um so that one of them that is particularly in our wheelhouse map when we talk about kits um so but let's start with as we always do player now there there's a lot of players to choose from from the city ground in the 90s now we've mentioned a couple already but matt if you're plucking for one who's your money on yeah there were i mean i didn't really have to think about it this long to be honest this is the easiest category although i did feel um like i should give a mention to, to stan collymore who was massive yeah. and, and and people you've already touched on steve stoney and Wayne colin cooper real bedrocks of those 90s team but but for forest fans of my age so i'm 40 so pre-european cups and everything it, it's stuart pierce yeah. and, and it's not yeah, even close absolutely. you know um, the, the guy was captain. He was player manager. Um, he's, I think, fourth on our list of all-time appearance makers. He scored, I think, 16 goals. He was our top goal scorer one season. 19, That's crazy. 91, I think. Which yeah, was well, sure. And he was, you know, a leader of the whole football club. Um, he He used to come out. He would never, ever warm up uh, on the pitch he wanted the first time he was on the pitch to be the match so he would be in the dressing room on his own just hammering an old leather football against the wall listening to the stranglers getting himself really wound up and when the teams came out he would run off away from the rest of the team up to the Trent end and just raise his arms like that while everybody yeah. chanted psycho 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 really getting everybody wound up um, but he was a massively underrated player you know really yeah. really good you know you don't you don't play for England as many times as he did without being good he wasn't a thug he got very few red cards in his time uh, he was just a wonderful 
attacking fullback. You know, I think he'd do well in the modern game actually because he he used to come forward and, and score goals at will. Um, yeah, just a just a great man. I, I remember when I was ten or eleven, I had quite a serious operation, and my mum wrote to him and he sent me a get well card. You know, which I've still got, which is on a wow. Puma King Adidas promo card. Uh, Excellent. Is, <laughs> Adidas Puma King promo card, yeah. um, which just makes it even better. That sounds um, incredibly nineties, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it is so so nineties. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, he is he's just a, an absolute legend. Obviously, he came back to be manager and it didn't go great, but nobody really cares about that because Forest have had hundreds of managers and not many of them mm. have done very well. So, and we don't put the blame on him um, for that. There's when uh, he had his testimonial. I think it was ninety six or ninety seven, maybe ninety six. It was just after Newcastle had lost the league to Man United, and it was mm. against Newcastle, and they brought a full strength team down to play it. Kevin Keegan and Terry McDermott both played in the game as well. <laughs> and Forrest had like a, a collection of Forest players, and then some random guys who Stuart Pearce knew, like Gary McAllister in, in the Forest team. And the program uh, was just pages and pages of tributes from people around the world of football. And I remember uh, Brian Clough wrote in it uh, my one regret from my time at Forest is that I didn't make a better friend of Stuart Pierce and and to me mm. that was him kind of acknowledging that Pierce was now the darling of the fan base rather than Clough at that time that's how significant he was um, this is a guy who when he first came to Forest signed from Coventry I think in 84 advertised his services as an electrician <laughs> yes. in the match day program um, Stuart Pierce complete rewirings uh, any work yeah. undertaken free estimates and his that's phone amazing, number. Isn't think it? about that now it's <laughs> yeah, insane it's... but that's how he started he was working yeah. for i think hammersmith borough council um, yeah. or to keep our boy he we turned he's one of those you know when every he turned him away them, didn't he turned him away yeah every time yeah. got them that's what yeah. players that you don't yeah you don't you think oh they could have played for us there's a collection of so many every club will have it but yeah Stuart Pierce. I think, I think it's in his autobiography. He says he was a QPR fan growing up and mm. we turned down, but yeah, he was an electrician as well. He's one of those players, isn't he, Ed, as well, that who doesn't, like, especially of our era as we're talking about it, I can't imagine anyone going, oh, I didn't really like Stuart Pearce or yeah. I didn't really rate Stuart Pearce. I like, he is everyone's go-to left back of the 90s, isn't he? I think he is, yeah. I mean, Stuart Pearce was a tremendous, tremendous defender, tough tackling defender, as we've already said. And, and you know, as Matt said, to score, I think, yeah, 16 goals or whatever it was mm-hmm. in 90. That was on the back of, let's not forget, that was on the back of Italian ID and the disappointment that he felt. And we've said in other shows that Pearce he, um, held that disappointment all the way until Euro 96, until we had that redemption with that, you know, marvellous penalty and the great, the great celebration. But yeah, he was a he. He was Nottingham Forest. When when you think about Nottingham Forest in the nineteen nineties, you do think about mm. Stuart Pearce. And I think what Matt was saying about you know Cluffy making a friend of him. I think Stuart Pearce kind of as his captain, he was his captain. He was a great captain, but he didn't necessarily put up with some of the things that Clough might have put upon other footballers. Um, I think Clough had a unique style of management where he would take the players away um, for a few days away here and there when maybe they should have been training. Um, sometimes that's a very good way of doing your, your, your team bonding, but sometimes Pierce would sort of say, no, let's, let's do something different. But, you know, it, he was just a great skipper of Nottingham Forest. And I think it was a sad day really when he moved on. And he's one of those players that I think he moved on to Newcastle yeah. and then West Ham and you saw him playing for other teams and you just thought that doesn't look quite right. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. It just, just doesn't look right. So um, yeah, I loved, loved Pierce. He's a great choice. I thought, thought as a Forest fan, Matt would probably 
go with Pierce, but uh, yeah, and, it's great, and, a, great. and a mean free kick taker. Like I don't. When people talk about free kick takers, they don't. Yeah, I don't think Pierce gets that much love. But I remember so many no. for England. That obviously the famous yeah. one in the '91 Cup final as well. Was yeah. that? Was it always a thing at the City Ground? That was. Is it always like, well, Stuart Pierce will take that, or is it? Yeah, more... yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll we'll get to that in one of our later <laughs> categories. But there's one that I do remember too. You know, talking about his England career and and that penalty against Spain. And for a long time was my favourite moment in football because yeah. of the redemption that it offered him and, and you know his his reaction to it. But but there was one uh, in that in that 1991 season, a free kick away at Man United in front of the Stretford end, and uh, on goals galore 1990-91, you can see the uh, Man United fans are all chanting, "Who missed in Italy? Stuart Pearce, Stuart Pearce," <laughs> and there's two blokes laughing heartily as they do it. And upsets steps Pierce from about a mile from goal and just wallops the ball as hard as he can straight into the net. I think Les Seeley's in goal, doesn't even get near it. And he just turns around to look at him, puts his hands in the air. I'm like, yeah, you, I, I did that because you were yeah. winding me up. Just absolutely magnificent. But yeah, free kicks. And, and it, it was weird, um, like when he left, there was always an anticipation around free kicks that would then sort of turn into a groan of, oh yeah, it's not Stuart Pierce, yeah. it's probably not going to be a goal here. Um, and and anyway, it was I think it was Alan Rogers who was his immediate successor at left back, and he just felt so sorry for him because what you know what you're going to do? Well, yeah, they are big shoes. Yeah, they're mm. not shoes you want to follow in. I don't think we've ever had a, a free kick take there at QPR that you'd be like, yeah, that's guaranteed, not guaranteed a goal, but you know, three times out of four, you're going to at least. See, hit the target and then get a goal. It's, it's very they're, they're, rare. I mean, they're few and far between, aren't they? James Will Prowse reminds me of Pierce now. Yeah. Because whenever he gets the ball and, and his technique, which is basically just hit it as hard as you can, but with, you know, dead eyed accuracy, it's very, very Pierce like. I always like the Germany celebration in 96 as well. Like, because you had the redemption and the outcaw and the Germany mm. one is almost like a cheeky kind of, yeah, I've yeah. done it again, lads. I've done it again. <laughs> I love, I love that celebration. Obviously, it did go as well with the game, but yeah. Uh, okay, Stuart Piss is your player, and I'm sure he will be uh, your feature in another category at the end of it. So let's go game then, Matt. What would be the Forest game of the 1990s for you? All right, this was the hardest category for me. Um, I've picked what on the face of it is quite a random one. It's a 2-1 win away at Birmingham on the 21st of March, mm-hmm. 1998. Okay, so this is the season that uh, we get promoted to the Premier League. 97-98, uh, went up as champions. So this is March, end of the season where it's all getting a bit tense. I went to this game. And this is one of the first games that I was allowed to go to, an away game just with a mate, no parents. So yeah. it have been 15 at this time. Go on the supporters coach and you know everything that that entails being around drunk people basically but uh you know at 15 that that's quite kind of awe-inspiring isn't it um and we were one nil down for a long time in this game peter unlove scored a penalty for <laughs> birmingham uh, how 90s is that and then yeah. uh, up steps pierre van hoydonk scored twice 84 and 88 minutes just to turn that into a 2-1 win one was a free kick which actually he was pretty good at free kicks van yes. hoydonk. Um, and then a 25 yarder and just being in that away end i'm pretty sure it was still terraced at that point actually at St andrews um, but it was just absolute limbs as people would would say today and it was carnage getting out of the ground i remember we got back to our coach and needed a police escort all the way back to the motorway and there was a couple of pushing a pram oh that's nice a couple pushing a pram it was full of bricks and they were just throwing them at the coach oh, no. wow this no is <laughs> this is absolutely uh incredible terrifying but also like exhilarating but yeah it was a random game to choose but i think just the the circumstances of it you know one of you first the ways you, you always remember that going on your own rather than with your mum 
um, and just you know feeling like you're, you're Lord of the Manor sort of thing. And and the win was massive in in helping us get promoted, and that, and that was a great season to do, sort of late part of the decade. But yeah, really really fun game as I remember. If Harry leaving. Yeah, that was the title fight with Middlesbrough, wasn't it? If I remember mm, rightly, Middlesbrough and Sunderland. So yeah. it's a year when Sunderland won that, uh, oh, lost that epic playoff final yeah. against Charlton. Yeah, um, and yeah, it was Middlesbrough, Forest, and Sunderland all the way, and and nearly went for the four 0 win against Middlesbrough from that season, which was that was kind of okay. We're going to go up now if we beat them four yeah. nil. There was a moment when Kevin Campbell made it two nil, and it was sort of right in front of me. And he had ages and ages to think about it, and he was he was the kind of player who didn't need you didn't want him to have a lot of thinking time because it would often go wrong if he did. But he scored, and I remember thinking to myself, okay, we're probably going to get promoted now. So that was a contender. But then after that. Uh, that was like on the Saturday. And then on the Monday, we lost 3-0 at home to Sunderland. And so it was all up in the air again. Uh, but yeah, the Birmingham game just just edges it for me. There were others, like first time at Wembley, 92, but we lost that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple of other ones that, that I did think about. But that, that Birmingham one, just for personal reasons, that's the one I've gone for. Pierre Van Hooydonk, Matt. He, mm-hmm. Now, he was an interesting character in the 1990s because I think he always used to be a thing I don't know about you guys but when they when players just come down from Scotland used to be always like oh this is different like when the cameo came down can they do it in the Premier League can they do it in the division and I liked Van Hooydonk for Celtic and I, I thought he could but he obviously had a very controversial career how is he now how does that look back on it Forrest that you know he went on strike at some point I can't remember when this game was in the timeline of him and his kind of scrubbles but when what, what was what's it like what's he viewed on now at Forrest at the time uh, when he went on strike, so this, so 97-98, where this game comes from, he's top scorer in the championship, basically fires us to promotion. Then there's the 98 World Cup. He goes to it with Holland. Um, Forrester trying to sign Wim Yonk, his Dutch teammate, yes, lose yeah. out to Sheffield Wednesday. And that's the catalyst for him to go on strike. He thinks if we can't even beat Sheffield Wednesday to sign Wim Yonk, this is not worth it. Um, subsequently, people like Campbell and Cooper get sold and he, he gets even more huffy. Um, at the time, he was kind of reviled. Now, I think people just look back and think, oh, what a wally he was. But he was <laughs> that a great season. Yeah. Um, he, when he came back from uh, being on strike in the next season, his first game was against Derby and he scored. And, you know, a goal against Derby is something that, that sends people bananas. But he's all, it was a Sky game and he was all on his yeah, own. I think I remember the, that. Yeah. None of his teammates. Yes, yeah. yeah, nobody celebrated with him. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and he, and he was that. given the squad number 40 as well as yeah. a punishment. And yeah, uh, yeah he, he was just a total pariah from that point. But he gave us that one great season and, and got us promoted, not yeah. on his own, but he was a massive, massive part of it. So... Yeah, rough with the smooth, but but time's a healer in, in that regard. It's not like he's ever going to be welcomed back as a legend of the club or anything like that, but he did give us one very good season. Yeah. I imagine having Campbell and Van Hooydonk as a front two in the championship. Like, Yeah, but then yeah, us, that 97-98 that season is obviously immortalised now by sort of the old championship manager. But you look at the Yeah, so Forrest had Campbell and Van Hooydonk. Sunderland had... Quinn and Kevin Phillips. Yeah. Middlesbrough had Paul Merson and Branca. They were then joined by Paul Gascoigne. It was like, and I mean, even like Cholton, who actually went up, they had Clive Mendonca, who was on fire. It was like, how has the championship got this many quality players? Because mm. Forrest still had um, Steve Stone at that point. And, you know, we've talked about that. And there were so many good players. And you think, that wouldn't happen now, would it? No. I don't think so. But it was so many good players. Yeah. So that was a good season to watch. And I always remember being a bit surprised, actually, that Forrest came out on top, that they were that good. For some reason, I always thought Middlesbrough were going were gonna to do it. But, um, but Forrest really did. And as you know, Matt says, Pierre Van Hooydonk was first class that season. 
Well, that's, you know, Dave Bassett doesn't get a lot of credit, I yeah. don't think, outside no. of Wimbledon. And he was a really, really good manager in the championship. And in that season, you know, he, he had to manage the egos of people like Van Hooydonk and compete with all those excellent sides that, that we were in the mix with for promotion. And he did that. He's, he's not given that much respect by Forrest, but I think he did a really, really good job when he was manager. He was, he was totally hamstrung the next season because all his best players either got sold or went on strikes. So there was not much he could do mm. about that. But yeah, he was pivotal, obviously, to us. Yeah. Getting promoted and made some really good signings. Not the kind of expansive get it on the floor football that maybe Forrester associated with, but it was effective. Yeah, I was just looking at that squad. Yeah, it's, there's some talent in there. One name that always screams '90s to me as well, Paul McGregor. Like he looked like he yeah. should have been in a yeah. '90s Britpop band. Well, he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not a very successful one, but he was in a band called Merc. Um, he is a very much a cult figure. You know, he was yeah. an academy player who, who came through under Clough and and didn't really hit the heights. He's obviously famed for scoring against Leon in the UEFA Cup. Mm. Um, penalty missed by Pierce, and he puts the rebound in. He got an amazing overhead kick when we won seven one at Sheffield Wednesday as well. Um, but yeah, career never really hits the hit the heights. But he's very very cool, and he actually presents a Forest podcast. I was about to say, I think oh, I've seen. Oh, does he? Yeah, that he does. Oh, I didn't know that. Stuff, yeah, because yeah, I remember I, I remember him for two reasons. Yeah, one is the band, and the other is the goal. But with the goal against Leon, of course, if you watch that closely that's when Cooper runs into the post yeah <laughs> so I mean if anybody watches that goal again you've got to watch it very closely but the keeper kind of kicks him or something I think he goes straight into the post trips over always, yeah and bangs yeah. into the post yeah which is always which is always quite amusing but um yeah Paul McGregor yeah I remember him I think he ended up at Plymouth I think um, he did he had a very yeah. sort of nomadic yeah, yeah. career went, went went Plymouth Northampton places like that but he scored against yeah. Man United at the city ground as well he, he did score some some important goals for Forrest but yeah just yeah. never quite I think he would say that when Ron Atkinson came in 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 99 as we went down he he fell out of love with Forrest and Atkinson treated him quite poorly and he left that summer I think yeah well let's talk about goals then because there's plenty of these as well I remember I always think of Ian Wone when I think of great goals mm. at Forrest in the because he didn't he's one of those players who didn't score simple goals he used to just there's one I think it's at the city ground when I think Forrest beat us 2-0 and it, it's on the edge of the court of the, of the box and he just smashes it top corner pass I think it's Tony Robertson goal which it wasn't hard because Tony always had a blind spot, but it's, a, it's some finish. Uh, Matt, what, what have you plumped for, though? What is your goal of the 90s for Nottingham Forest? Well, Wome was a contender. It was a free kick he got against Spurs in the FA Cup, um, which I was kind of directly in line with. He was on the other side of the pitch, almost level with the edge of the penalty area. And um, I was with my stepdad, who very graciously used to take me to Forest games, despite being a Derby fan. And he said <laughs> well. before, before the free kick was taken, he said, there's only one place he can put this, and it's in the far left top corner. And that's exactly what he did. And he kind of strode away with his arms in the air. And that was pretty good. Um, but I've gone for a Pierce free kick. You know, we, we spoke about them earlier. It's the 90s. This is one I didn't actually witness live um, and just researching it. Interesting. It was from a League Cup semi-final first leg, which was played on a Sunday, uh, which oh, you wouldn't get. These days. No, random. 1990, February 1990. And I watched this at my nan's house full of roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. It was the match on ITV that day, the first leg. It's a free kick in front of the Trent end and he absolutely hammers it. And on the replay, you can see all droplets of rain falling off the crossbar as the ball bounces down. I remember the commentary. It was Brian Moore and Ian St. John, and it's Brian Moore going, oh, a tremendous goal by the Forest captain, Stuart Pearce. A fantastic free-kick goal with blistering power. Wham (laughs) against the crossbar behind. Nothing a Grizovic could do about it. Ian St. John. And then St. John's like, oh, what a real stunner of a goal that was. That was a beauty. (laughs) 
And you see the replay and Nigel Clough's kind of backing into the wall, moving one of their players out the way to create the space for him to hit it. Cannons off the underside of the bar, bounces back up and down. And yeah, you just see all this rain just falling off it and Pierce with his trademark one fist in the air. Uh, we had a brilliant kit that season as well. Everything about it was amazing. But I just, I've got a really vivid memory of it, even though I was only seven, watching that, feeling really content because I had a lovely Sunday dinner to start with. But then him scoring that goal. And that 1990 was the year I went to my first game. And that was when I was really, really falling in love with football and and Stuart Pearce. And yeah, it was, you know, it's a, it's a goal in a big game, the first leg yeah. of the League Cup semi-final. Um, we'd, we'd go on to win the trophy that year, but it, yeah, it's just about Stuart Pierce, really. And, and think, he doesn't look just a powerful free kick. I think I've done, I think I've now done Ash about maybe say around 10 of these, maybe yeah, podcasts yeah. with you so far. I think that's the most 90s description <laughs> we've had. So we've had, we've had roast dinner. I can actually smell the gravy wafted in <laughs> from the kitchen. We've got ITV, we've got February 1990, we've got Brian Moore, we've got Ian St. John, and we've got a Stuart Pierce free kick. You put all that yeah, equation together, you've basically completed the 1990s or the early 1990s yeah, at yeah. least. So that is a great, that is a great shout. I, I have no memory of this goal. So I'll probably look it up afterwards as well. I'll have to. Yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, look up. But they won the, that's the, the year they won the League Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, be older in the final. Yeah. yeah, Nigel Jemson scored it. We were on that run of winning the League Cup every year, and, and yeah. uh, again, it's like the start late eighties, early nineties. Were a, it was the second great Clough team after the, the European Cup winners, but then you know, it quickly dissolves ninety two, ninety three, and uh, yeah, that was the end of it. But yeah, nineteen ninety was kind of Stuart Pearce peak, I would say. Yeah, I just that's what we're, that's my first memories of Forest. It's like a really good cup team, like. Nigel Jensen is a name mm. that I always think of when I think of Forrest um, in that his early period because he seemed to be always involved. He was like the Paul McGregor before that, wasn't he? He was a young mm. upstart which didn't quite as well work out as, as well as he probably hoped. Although he did, I remember FA Cup heroics in the following decade for somebody as well. But yeah, that's how I remember them. And then you remember you mentioned that uh, League Cup loss in 92 and May United were wearing that kit, mm. which is what I always remember that final, the Maple Leaf, which is one of, you know, one of the great iconic kits um, of a decade. Was there any other goals, Matt, that were on your shortlist that you can recall quickly? I mean, there's hundreds, aren't there? That's <laughs> the thing. I, I remember all of the goals in a 4-3 against Leeds, again, a Sunday ITV game. Uh, it was like a real seesaw game. And, and I mean, I don't know if it's 90s or like 60s, but my, I went with my uncle and we went to a pub beforehand and he got me a beer crate to stand on. <laughs> so Excellent. see. Um, in the stand uh, there's lots of Van Hoydonk ones lots of uh, Wome ones too um, the goal that Steve Chettle got away to Bayern Munich uh, to make it 1-1 just mm -hmm. after Bayern Munich had scored we got absolutely hammered in the in the rebound in the second leg 5-1 uh, but that was a great moment just think wow Stuart Pierce has uh, Steve Chettle has just scored against Bayern Munich away in the Olympic Stadium um, where Forrest won the European Cup years before. That was pretty special, even though we, we lost that game 2-1. But that was the first leg, so I just assumed we'd win the second leg 1-3 <laughs> on away goals. Um, didn't quite happen. But yeah, loads of contenders, most of them Pierce. Stan Collymore too, against Peterborough yeah. 93-94, the game that secured our promotion. He scored twice. We went, I think we went 2-0 down and won 3-2. And, and he was like Van Hoydonk a few years later in that season in that he just got goal after goal. Goal and they were usually pretty spectacular. And, and that day, now Collymore goals were all pretty much identical. He, he'd get the ball back to goal inside the centre circle, shrug off two defenders, yeah. run 25 yards, put it into the bottom corner. And it yeah. seemed like every goal he scored was like that. And yeah, they, the one against Peterborough, because of the significance of it, um, that was definitely contender too. 
yeah, powerhouse. I always think of Stan Collymore. Like he's just a power his way. Um, and his best days were at Forest. You yeah, know, totally. He oh, bigger clubs than Forest afterwards. Yeah. But it, it, yeah. And again, it came down to it was Frank Clark who managed him, but he understood that Stan Collymore was the type of player who needed to be treated differently to yeah. everybody else. And I don't think he got, he definitely didn't get it at Liverpool and he definitely didn't get it from, from John Gregory who said some ridiculous mm. things about him. Which yeah, absolutely. Now. Um, but yeah, he, I think he was happiest at Forest. I think he played his best football there, even though he, he, you know, he played for, as I say, bigger clubs, but that, that was the peak of his career and he was brilliant. I mean, what a player he was for us. Well, I was at his England debut. I think it was that was the Umbro Cup. Yeah. 95. In, in, yeah. 95. Cause it was around my birthday weekend, which is probably around an anniversary this week at some point. Um, I bloody love the Umbro Cup. It's one of those random 90, like, give me the Umbro Cup over the Nations League. Was it Darren Anderton who scored an absolute? Oh, the Leeds goal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit both both posts and went in, Mm. yeah. David Unsworth as well, I think, made his debut for England against Japan. A terrible game of football, but yeah. And Brown Lasso scored that worldie against Brazil. It's like the Tunwar as well. Those are, I think, they're better end of season tournaments rather than this Nations League stuff we've been talking about. Um, we mentioned kits there, and this is my favorite part. and especially this week, because Matt, not only is he a big Forest fan, he's a kit enthusiast as well. So not just in the city ground, but his collection is very good. I've seen it on Twitter and he's always getting new kits. So this must have been a hard one, Matt, to, to, to hone down on the best. Because I think Forest, they're up there. They've got some absolute stunners in the 1990s. So what? If, what I'm interested to see which one you, you've picked uh, as your kit of the 90s. Yeah, it was tricky. This um, I've gone for an away kit though. We were this is back in the day where you'd get a kit for two seasons. Yeah, and um, so we had it in the ninety three ninety four promotion campaign, then ninety four ninety five when we finished third in the Premier League. It's the purple and blue mm, yeah. away strip. <laughs> yeah, um, Labat sponsor. I've got two of them. I bought I bought one recently with PS three on the back. This in good condition, but I've got mine from when I was a kid, which just had ten, which was Colin Moore's number. Yeah, and I've got that in ninety three ninety four. So no squad numbers in the championship in that season. So it just has ten on the back. Uh, but it's beautiful. It's got a little green label that says NFFC just on the left of it. And yeah, it's um, it's a colour that I don't think we've ever had before or since. That yeah. You know, we've had blue away kits and third kits, but not purple ones. Uh, and the blue and the green just contrast really nice on it. It's a really nice feel of material. And I associate it with success. You know, some yeah, of my favourite games yeah. Yeah, were, were wearing that kit. Um, which makes a, a massive difference. I remember Colin Moore scoring at Old Trafford. We won there in 94, yeah. 95, uh, wearing that kit. Labatt's was quite a cool sponsor as well. You know, horrible beer. Are they, are they still about? Is that still a beer? I'm not sure. Not in the UK. Yeah, um, I think so. They mm. bought, um, they put like a sports bar in one of the forest stands, the Trent End, when it was redeveloped in 95. And nobody ever went to it. They, they spent loads of money on it and they ended up selling it to the club for about 20 grand or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so they weren't a particularly successful sponsor, but that's a big part of it too, isn't it? You know, we had Shipstones, fine yeah. beers for years. I, and seem years to, well. I, seem to, I seem to have a memory that I could be wrong, but were the home and away kits, did they have two different sponsors at one stage? Was that the, is, the that's, that's right. And yeah, Shipstones for home Sh- and Labatt's for away. For, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly sure that's... Hmm. Uh, Possibly in 92, 93, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's around that time. But I just seem to recall it was unique because, you know, you were used to seeing your Liverpools with your candies and Carlsbergs or whatever. It was always the one sponsor. But Forrest, for some reason, had two. And was was Foster's one at one stage? Or am I making that up? We had Wrangler. We might have had, we had Skull in the 80s beer. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think the or reason the we had two. Size, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah the, the yeah. bat size was there for a bit. Yeah, but I think yeah. we had two for that season because Shipston's were in a bit of financial trouble. They actually come back a bit as a brewery in recent years. Yeah. But I think it was kind of well, we can't afford to pay you as much as we were paying you last season, and a deal was struck of well, you do the home shirts and we'll let somebody else do the away shirts, and and that's kind of why that was is my understanding. Mm. I think the two I always go on about, and well done, Ed, as well. That must be the first kit fact you've ever bought. It is, yeah. I made it. I made it. I made it. I, th- I thought because because I'm in the presence of two uh, kit enthusiasts, I thought I'd better make it sound a bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Because I'd, I'd yeah. forgotten that. So yeah, well done. But I think Matt knows what I was going to say because we've had this conversation on training journeys a long time as well. But the two I always remember is the the ninety two ninety three kit with the pinstripes, which I think is one of the most our best looking kits of the decade, possibly ever. It's in probably my top ten because it's just simple i really hope it's probably too late because peek behind the curtain kit designers work like two years in advance people go oh they could rehash for the premier league it's not going to happen that kit's been designed probably 18 months ago so it won't happen yet maybe if you stay up and fingers crossed you will we might see a version of that so it's that one which is also reminds me of the first ever super sunday which is the teddy sherryman goal um, against liverpool which was that one and then you know i'm going to say that that awake it which is the yellow I don't know how do you describe this to someone who's never seen it. It's like it's got Art Deco-y painting all over the shoulder of Forest logos, and it looks like a window. I mean, what? It's, I mean, it's known in Forest that? circles as um, vomit on yellow after ten pints <laughs> and a curry. <laughs> yellow with red and uh, black striped collar, and then just yeah, like you say, a kind of random uh splodge all around the left yeah. side of it i've got i've got that signed uh with bart williams six <laughs> on the back and and bear in mind at this point i was earning two pound 20 an hour stacking shelves in my local co-op 50p a letter bart hyphen williams <laughs> that cost me a lot <laughs> but that yeah that was that's a kind of that's become more loved in retrospect yeah you know, at the time people thought what on earth is this it is revolting but now everybody thinks oh isn't that lovely maybe we should kind of rehash that in in future seasons mm. Yeah, I just it's one of those. It's very nineties as well, and uh, you could you chose Chris Bart Williams when you could have had Ian Wone, which is four letters. Yeah, I know, <laughs> ridiculous, wasn't it? I just really love Chris Bart Williams, and and oddly, you know, because he had a pretty good Forest career, he wasn't amazing, by yeah. Any, but um, I did consider him for my uh, for my eleven too. He did quite make it, but yeah, I just really like Chris Bart Williams, and I was also I wanted to give the people in the club shop something to do. Like, can you actually fit? Bart Williams. Bart Williams. <laughs> if, if I'd been a whole fan a few years ago, I'd have tried to get Venegor of Hesselink on the on the back of one. Obviously, but... yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, you mentioned your eleven then, so that's that's finish on on that note. That we asked you to pick a nineties Nottingham Forest eleven. So we, we won't go player by player, but we'll talk about we'll pick out some names uh, as as you go through. So let, give us your goalkeeper. Your I take it you've gone four four two because it's nineteen nineties. Of course, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, this was the easiest selection of anything that I had to make. Is Mark Crosley? He was there for over a decade, the whole of the 90s, played 400 yeah. games, academy product, beloved by Clough. Had some bad moments. You know, he, he chucked one in uh, against Portsmouth in an FA Cup quarterfinal, mm. I think, uh, after he'd been um, caught on a night out the night before and smashed a window somewhere. Got a lot of trouble for that. But a, a forest legend, um, nonetheless, Mark Crosley. I, I had a fridge magnet, a Mark Crosley fridge magnet, which uh, my wife mysteriously lost when we moved house. Oh, what oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a big shame, but even now you can you can hear me walking around the house shouting, "Ooh, Mark Crosley!" As yeah. was his chant yeah. Uh, yeah. at any given opportunity. So, yeah, top, top man as well. He's yeah. a top fellow. Yeah, he is. He's, he's good value on Twitter at the moment. Yeah. Um, he 
he, he does a lot of after dinner speaking around this area yeah. and, and apparently he's very good for it. Yeah. The, the, the charity other, work as well is very Yeah, a lot of charity work. Yeah, he's, he's supposed to be a nice guy. You know, he, he went on that at a decent career after Forest. He's done a bit of coaching as well at, at various places. Um, Dave Besson was the only other contender because he was in goal in that 97-98 season when yeah. he won the league. But, I mean, yeah, he, he, he's, his, his career is not defined by his time at Forest and, yeah, Crossley's definitely is. Mark Crossley, the only man to ever save a penalty from Matt Letizia. I mean, mm, you can yeah. you can just retire after that, couldn't you? Because that yeah, is... saved the penalty in the FA Cup final too, which course, not many yeah. people have done. Yeah, nineteen ninety one. So who's, who's in the back four then, Matt? Back four, I've got Des Little right back. Des uh, Little, yeah, yeah. Had a, an honourable mention for Thierry Bonaleri came later and was a, a cult figure. But Des Little was a brilliant man marker. I remember when Forest were in the Premier League, the two games they put him on Janino and Gianfranco Zola at the City Ground, and neither okay. player had a kick because Des Little marked them out of the game. And so he's at right back. Uh, Centre halves have got Colin Cooper. Uh, who did brilliantly to fill the void left by Stuart Pearce. Actually, he took the captaincy once Pearce left, and and he really is a, a Forest icon. You know, he led us Good to promotion yeah. 97, 98. Very, very capable player. Another who won England caps. Yeah. While he was and under Venables, I think. That was Venables. Yeah. He played in the Umbro Cup, I think. I think he might have been the Umbro yeah, Cup. Yeah. 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 yeah, everybody got to go in the Umbro Cup. <laughs> yeah, did you get a call up? I got one. I, don't know. <laughs> I, was, I was in the stands, so I was ready if he, if he was waiting. <laughs> Boots and everything. Yeah. But yeah, he's he was um, one of the first names on my team sheet. Alongside him, I I, I think people would assume that I'll go for Des Walker, which <gasps> I have not done <gasps> for a couple of reasons. <laughs> um, he left in '93. True. Yeah. He, he yeah. came back in the noughties for a bit. Um, also, I met him once, and he was extremely unpleasant. So he's a, means... I think he's a taxi driver now. Did I? I think I read that somewhere. Or was right, that one of those, okay. one yeah. of those it... football myths that if you haven't heard from him, well, clearly they're a taxi. He's driver. a taxi driver. Yeah. yeah. Some played for Forest for a bit as well. Tyler, um, yeah. striker. Oh, yes, he did, yeah. Um, I think he's, he finished the season on loan at Coventry from Portsmouth last season. Um, so, yeah, Walker misses out. I've gone for Steve Chettle alongside yeah. Colin Cooper. Um, not a one-club man. He did have a spell at Barnsley at the end of his career. But he is third on Forest's all-time list of appearance makers. Um, really? which is yeah it's not something that you, that you hear a lot he's, he's director of football at Baseford United who are a non-league club in Nottinghamshire now he was previously the manager um, but yeah he was like you know your absolute steady Eddie never a nine out of ten but always at least a seven yeah so he gets the place just for a number of games he played more than 500 games for Forest yeah, um, left back I wonder back, who this yes. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a guy called Brett Williams who used to fill in for Stuart Pierce. Oh, poor Brett. It, and he like he looked nothing like a footballer at all. He looked like a bloke he'd been plucked from the stands. He had a moustache and he just looked like a competition winner who two or three times <laughs> a season when Pierce couldn't play would get a go. But yeah, it's Pierce. You know, he sounds it's Brett Williams sounds like an extra, you know, like Tracy and EastEnders, the barmaids. Like he's <laughs> Brett Williams just sounds like oh, we'll get Brett in, he'll just stand in for Stuart Pierce for a little while. You guys should get him on for a show one time because I'd love oh, yeah. to hear his because you know it's it, he would have been playing Pontins reserve league football for the vast majority of his career. I'd love to hear how it was just being Stuart Pierce's understudy. A, <laughs> I've just Googled him. There's a picture of him playing in the cup final in 92. Did he come on for Pierce or did he? Maybe Pierce was injured for that, you know, um, oh. and, and that might be why we lost the game. Because uh, <laughs> Brett Williams was playing. Damn, Brett for old Tracy, the barmaid. Yeah, he's taken on Andre Kinchelsea's in this image and winning. So he obviously had a moment in the sun during that cup final as well. So well yeah, done. Kinchelsea well, must, must have been hung over. Yeah, Pierce didn't play in that game. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Brett Williams. He had his moment then. We'll do it. 
we'll get him on and, and talk about that. One of the things we have been trying to do, Matt, and I've got in touch with him. I've spoken to Robert Rosario over email and we've been trying to get him on the show and he's kind of half agree, but he lives in America now and mm-hmm. he hasn't emailed me back, but I know he's a bit of a, I don't know, what, I, have, I was going to say cult hero, but probably not at Forest. He didn't have the best time at Forest, did he, Robert Rosario? No, and, and he is like um, an illustration of how Brian Clifford lost it in that season. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you? I love that man. How dare <laughs> he you? was brilliant. He was brilliant for Norwich. He was yeah. really good for Norwich. But but Brian Clough, obviously, in the grips of alcoholism in, in that season and, and just on this horrible slide, which was just pain to watch but had the choice of either signing Collymore then or getting Rosario. And obviously we've got mm. Collymore the next season and he took us back up and Robert Rosario scored one goal for Forrest um, and wasn't very good. But he was trumpeted by Clough the day before in the local paper. I've signed the striker who's going to get us out of this problem. We won't get relegated. I've signed this guy. I'll reveal who it is tomorrow. Turned out not so much. No, no. Well, who's in the midfield when you're 11? All right, right wing uh, with an honourable mention for Gary Crosby. Who, oh yes, uh, as a big '90s hero. Currently, yeah. Nigel Clough's assistant manager at Mansfield. Uh, I've gone for Steve Stone. Obviously, Ash. I know you're a big fan of him. I, I don't know why. It's one of those weird. I, and I say this a lot on the show. You you kind of t- attach yourself to random players when you're mm. a kid, and I don't. And I've got no reason why. I never played right wing. I never. You know, I, I don't know what it was about Steve Stone. I just really. When they did that greatest Premier League of the, you know, yet to pick a Premier League, I think it was like 20, 25 years. I chose Steve Stone ahead of Ronaldo because I just, <laughs> I just loved Steve Stone. And when he played for England and he had that mini sort of purple patch for England just before Euro 96, where he scored a couple of goals and you were like, cool, where's this guy? This guy's going to be part of him. Obviously, he never worked. He was in the squad. But he, I think he played a few minutes, but wasn't really a big part of that tournament. But yeah, I really had a thing for, for Steve Stone in the night. It's very bizarre. Yeah, as, um, as, as I'm speaking, sorry about just speaking as somebody whose hair is um, slightly thin, <laughs> and um, on on um, Steve Stone, right? So I, obviously, I said earlier on in the show that my mate, you know, when I was a kid, was a big Forest fan, and and he used to sort of tell me about players that were coming through as well at that time. And he said, "Oh, you know, Steve Stone, right? All right, okay." And I think Steve Stone scored. I think it was Middlesbrough away in about 1992, something like that. And I was expecting to see this young lad, and he had like no hair, yeah. and I was like. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, how old is this guy? And he was only about 22. But oh, have you seen a picture of Steve Stone with hair? It's no. It's so bizarre. Yeah, if you look, get, look, look honestly, it's so bizarre because you're so used to seeing him with no hair. His champ was, he's got no hair, we don't care. So yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. Simple, simple <laughs> as, yeah. Well, we he was... Meant- he was in the video for Three Lions. Yes, as well. Bobby Chow- was he? No, not Bobby. Chow- Who did I he think he might be Bobby Moore holding the. He was, uh, wasn't he? Um, like no, that. wasn't he? Nobby Styles. Yes, that, yeah, he was yeah, Nobby Styles. Yeah, because he looked like him, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Similar kind of balding midfielder. Yeah. Also, his uh, his wife had a sandwich shop in the village that I grew up in. So Excellent. I love that. For that. We won't we won't talk about the miss against Reading, which always goes. No one ever talks about that. Is it Reading? He does that horrible. Yeah, it is at Elm yeah. Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ronnie Ray- we we got promoted anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So who's who's Stony uh, alongside there in the midfield? Okay, so he is alongside Roy Keane. Oh, not somebody people yeah. associate with Forrest, but uh, very, very yeah, a player that was quite influential on me falling in love with football again. Again, somebody who lived in the local area too. But I mean, he was just. A brute. There's a, there's a great story of his his debut was at Anfield. I think it was either 1990 or 1991. He travelled up with the team. <laughs> the the coach had gone to pick him up from his ha- house. Uh, Brian Clough apparently exclusively referred to him as Irishman, uh, and for some reason. Brian Clough had heard that Roy Keane didn't like milk. So picked him up from his house, presented him with a pint of milk. Irishman, drink that. He drank it. 
right okay even though he doesn't like it gets to the ground okay you're with the first team today your first job is to lay all the kits out in the dressing room at Anfield lays all the kits out uh try that one on Roy number six right you look tremendous you can wear it you're playing and that was his debut everyone's <laughs> and laughing and, and there's a story of um him scything through John Barnes five minutes in and John Barnes kind of going, who are you? Where, where are you? You can't do that to me. And Roy Keane just telling him to F off. And that mm. sets the tone for his career. Yeah. Um, basically. Was it Is British it... record transfer fee? Yeah. Him? I want to say 3.25. Yeah. I think it was like... 3.75. It was Blackburn mm. and Man United who were, who were um, going for him. And he obviously went to Man United and, and the rest is history. But it was I had this player. weird image of him dressed as Robin Hood. Is that when he signed? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 60 grand from Co-Bramblers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Great, and and he, he, you know, he talks about Forrest reverentially now, and a lot of that is because he fell out with Alex Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. He, he says that Brian Clough was uh, the best manager he ever played under, and, and you know, I can't believe that that is true, given that he played for Ferguson for so much longer. Mm. But that's what he'll tell you if you if you ask him. Yeah, and alongside him, uh, alongside him in the heart of my midfield is Scott Gemmel. Oh, there's wow. a name we haven't mentioned. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there were a few contenders for this. The aforementioned Bart Williams, Gary Parker too. Uh, yeah. he I thought you there. were going to say Gary Parker, actually. Mm, I mean, yeah, not... he, he he sort of, I, I associate him more with the late 80s and the 90s with mm. Parker. Um, but he was a great player for us. But Scott Gemmell had a long Forest career. Yeah. He was there for, for a long time. Constant. Got a couple of promotions. Mm. Yeah, real constant. And obviously the link with his dad, you know, who, who was one of my mum's favourite yeah. players, uh, Archie, you know, famed for that goal he scored for Scotland against Holland in, was it 74 at the World Cup? Yeah. Um, but Scott Gemmell was a mainstay of the Forest side for years and years. A really kind of silky, his dad was a bit of a grafter, I think, but Scott Gemmell was a silky ball-playing midfielder who was really, really nice to watch. And one of those kind of scrawny kids who made you think, well, if he can be a footballer, then maybe mm. I can too, because like Steve Stone, he doesn't really look like one. Yeah. He had a long Premier League career as well, because he went on to play for Everton as well, mm. didn't he? He, he was, did, yeah, yeah. He's he, someone... He, he, he played for Everton for ages. He either is or was the Scotland under-21 manager as well. Oh, OK. So he's still going. So recently, so he's, still, he's still in the game, yeah. Uh, and is Ian Warren on the left? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no introduction needed. Uh, exactly. I just thought I'd just mention. I'll tell, I don't know if I ever told you this, Matt, but when me and Ed were, were younger and in our drinking days, we used to play this game in when we were at clubs and stuff and put in... Hold on, don't bring, don't bring me into this. Okay. You, used, you used to do it. You, you, used, used, to lo- to. you used to love it, son. Oh, um, maybe, maybe. We used to put footballers' names in songs. You know, it's fun, <laughs> it was fun at the time and now seems silly. But it all started with the, with the song Pretty Green Eyes you remember mm. a dancey song and then get, I think the line is you'll never feel alone or something and yeah. I had I, I was there one night I probably had a few too many WKDs or Smirnoff Ices or whatever it was Red Squares and decided to say the legend that is Ian Woe and f- to this day <laughs> if we I still that, refer to him as the legend, the legend that, that is Ian Woe and, and the, yeah. you know you don't hear that song very often because it's not it's not a well-known song but if I do even my wife knows and she nods and goes Ian Woe and my wife has <laughs> no idea who Ian Rohn is that and Norman Whiteside for the killers um yeah. bright side which is the team <laughs> that fit that's the most perfect one and that still makes me laugh but yeah that was a game we used to play so play yourself at home kids because it's, it's it can be fun but Ian Rohn was the originator of that well for for people who know us from our GP days Ash I always associate uh, the David Gray song Babylon with Teddy Long because yeah. he used to sing that on GP um but Ian Rohn he I'm fascinated by Ian Wone modern day because when he was at Forest, people used to think he was a lazy player. He used to get yeah. that a lot. 
and and there was some credence to that actually and I remember him being dropped for a game against Aston Villa in 95-96 when we'd drawn Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals and he said to the press we've got no chance of beating Bayern Munich and he was dropped for the next game which was a sky game on telly at home to Aston Villa um so he's this kind of slightly lackadaisical player, capable of moments of absolute brilliance, but not a hard worker. Uh, fast forward 20 years, he's assistant to Sean Dyche. And it just feels like the most random thing ever. Like, yeah. how's this guy working for what appears to be a kind of harsh disciplinarian who wants you to, you know, run your socks off in every game? Maybe it's kind of yin and yang thing with them. Um, There's a good uh, good article last year about those two living together. Yeah, that. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, Sean Dyche is ex-Forest as well. And they never mm. played for the first team, but came through the academy and, and their best mates because of that. But I just find it really funny that he's now, you know, working for this rigid 442 disciplinarian run you till you fall over kind of guy when that was the absolute opposite of what he was like as a player yeah i remember when i first i didn't know he was assistant and i think it was a sky game or something when burley must have come up and the the cameras went and it was like see him won like i hadn't seen or heard of being won in years and he's got yeah. steve he stone worked with him too yeah i was oh, gonna say yeah stone was there as well yeah amazing absolutely amazing okay let's completely like who is playing up i take it sir victor stanley is one of them yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Colin Moore, again, one of my all-time favourite Forest players. Uh, I was so upset when he left. So upset. It was an absolute heartbreaker. I w- I'd convinced myself that because we'd finished above Liverpool in the league that, that he would stay at Forest because that meant we were better than Liverpool. But <laughs> he was brilliant. You know, he, it took him a while to get going when he first came to Forest. Uh, he famously got sent off against Bolton uh, and missed a few games. But once once Forrest got firing that season, which took till about November 93-94, uh, he was just unstoppable. And in the Premier League, again, you know, yeah. a lot of people think of the goal at home to Man United when the mm. Trent end's being redeveloped. And, you know, we've got one of those fake stands in front of it. Uh, and he hits one past Peter Schmeichel. Uh, he was brilliant. So, yeah, Colin Moore. He again, was fabulous footballer. Sure. Fabulous footballer. I've seen him on Twitter. He always posts whenever someone, I think, has a dig at him about Forrest. I think they chose, your, as a club, their Centurio 11, and he's in it. And he always uses that as a dig, like, I'm Forrest for him. And, it, and it's nice that he obviously has that, still has that kind of link to the club himself, because he, he possibly acknowledging that his best years, as you mentioned, were at the city ground. So who's his partner, though, Matt? Who is playing up front? With well, Stan- is Colin? it... Can- can I just say at this point then, I'm trying to think, obviously I've only known Matt a short time, but is it Andrea Salenzi or Jean-Claude Darshville? Are they the two options? You know what? I love Darshville. He was <laughs> boy, he was rapid. He was yeah. so fast. And he was he was a really good figure around the club and supporters liked him or whatever. Salenzi was hopeless, obviously. He's that go-to, like whenever you talk about Forest and or bad signings, like you yeah. can go a few on a Twitter thread and there comes that Panini sticker of Salenzi with his big Moppy hair. I always think of Andrew Salenzi. Serie A top scorer for exactly. Torino. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's I think even with Italians. that yellow kit, actually, we remember uh, we talked about earlier with him, yeah. Salenzi, fifteen on the back. Oh god, the first <laughs> Italian to play in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Good fact. It's not him though. Um, I've gone for. <laughs> I, I did think about Kevin Campbell. I did briefly think about Pierre Van Hooydonk, but he wrote himself out of it. Uh, but I've gone for Nigel Clough. Yeah, I was thinking uh, we haven't mentioned Nigel Clough. So yeah, I thought it was. It's nice possibly here to end the show and speaking of someone who, someone I think slightly underrated as a footballer. Maybe possibly because he had his best days at the beginning of the nineties, then went to Liverpool, and it kind of went a bit downhill from there. But 
what a lovely footballer Nigel Clough was. He, he was a brilliant footballer. And, and I think it must be so difficult to work for your dad in any yeah. industry. But when your dad's Brian Clough and you're a footballer, I can't imagine how difficult that was for him. And um, Brian Clough always used to describe Nigel as one of the hardest players in football. And, and you think, mm, really, this baby-faced number nine? Mm-hmm. But the amount of kicks that he used to get, he, he'd play yeah. with his back to goal a lot of the time and people would just absolutely scythe through him. Clough, it's <laughs> a famous tale of in the tunnel before a game against Arsenal of Clough taking Tony Adams to one side and saying, just you watch what you do with my number nine because my captain will absolutely destroy you, <laughs> meaning Piers. Uh, but Clough was brilliant for us, such a skillful player, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Came back for a little bit when when Pierce was manager in the, in the late 90s too. Um, obviously, in my role at Chelsea, I saw all of Eden Hazard's career and, and there's shades of Nigel Clough and Eden Hazard in the way that really? they were. Yeah. Just in the, in the way that their shins would be black and blue at the yeah. end of the game and their calves, they'd just be kicked to pieces, but never, ever done. Neither of those two players never ever saw them dive. They just get up and carry on playing. And that's the ultimate frustration for a defender, I think, when you can't rattle somebody, even when you're, you know, inflicting physical pain on them. And Clough was so good at holding the ball up, but a really stylish finisher, scored in League Cup finals for Forest. Um, obviously, had no option but to leave when his dad did, given the, the circumstances around that, but a genuine Forest great. I was really disappointed for him that his Mansfield lost the playoff final a couple of days yes. before Forest won. He's been a decent manager at that level, though, isn't he? You think with Burton, it hasn't quite worked out the further he's gone up the leagues. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's his limitations. And I don't know, sometimes it just doesn't work out for managers. But yeah, I just, I always think, well, who would you compare, Ed, like Nigel Clough these days? Because he was, he was never an out and out, like 20 goal season striker. And even mm. sometimes I think he, he Oh, this might be a mismemory. Did he? Could he play in midfield? I feel like I've seen Nigel Clough. He, yeah. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he did. It was. It, I think the other week you asked me to compare someone in the modern day to Peter Beardsley, and I came up with Diego Jota at Which Liverpool. Is unique. Um, yeah. This is your, this is your I, new I game. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Yeah, how many players I can compare to Diego Jota? Um, I think it's that sort of playing off a striker um, position, which Clough um, did very well. Um, so it is that type of that type of player. I think if Clough was playing in the modern day, say if he was playing in Clough's Liverpool team, I think he'd play that Firmino role, the back to goal. Yeah. The back to goal and the and the feeding in of the of the wingers. Um so he'd be that in modern day terms, I think they'd call him a false nine. Yeah. We just call That's him we I, just yeah. call him we just call him Nigel Clough. But yeah. you know it's it's a false nine position, I think. Graham Taylor liked him. I remember that. He was a well, big part yeah. of Graham you Taylor's thinking sides. He, he got, did, he got but... sent on, didn't he? In the, the famous, yeah. one of the yeah. many famous scenes in The Impossible Job <sighs> is him just giving him loads and loads and loads yeah. of instructions away to Poland and him just yeah. sort of nodding politely like, again. Okay. Play, yeah, play, play on the left, play on the right, <laughs> and then play in the hole and just play as you see it from yeah. there were pretty much his exact words. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. what does that even mean? And, and, yeah. and, and, and he's like, you know, he must have been sitting there going, look, Graham, my dad's Brian Clough. Right? Yeah. Can you like up your game here a little bit? <laughs> the job he never got, he definitely. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that, definitely some 11 there. Definitely some 11. I was looking at some names earlier before you, I was going to try and come up with an 11 of you never remember they played for Forest, but I just ran out of time. But there are play, I love the players that you kind of think of and go, did they play for them? Especially in the 90s. But I forgot that John Harks had a spell at the, at the city ground. Did yeah. he? Jeff Thomas, yeah. Jeff yeah, Thomas Jeff Thomas, yeah. R- Richard Goth, who must have been about 100, 
when he played for yes yeah, so he came at the same time as John Harkes this this was um the, the famous uh obviously Ron Atkinson is remembered for sitting in the wrong wrong bench yeah. oh yeah uh Forest Lee's Nate wants Man United under him but we were given or for, he was given a transfer budget when he came in the January of 1.1 million pounds to spend very specific amount spent a million quid of it on Carlton Palmer and got John oh, oh. freeze and Richard Goff had come from somewhere like Kansas City or something and he was he was at least 38 if not older and he was absolutely dreadful as was Carlton Palmer obviously and John Harkes wasn't much better yeah that was I've always a, got this image that Richard I've always got this image that Richard Goff was born 38. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like if you talk about like Richard, yeah. if you talk about Richard Goff as a footballer, you always go stalwart yeah. 38, still playing. What a man. Mm. He yeah, looked like a stalwart for Forrest. No. <laughs> no. Matt, thank you very much, sir. I mean, that. Welcome back to the Premier League as well, as you could say. I'm, I'm hoping for a good season for Forrest. I was doing some of my modern work today and writing about so the, the Garners and the Spencers as well, which we don't know where they'll be come. Um, next season but is there anyone we're dating this podcast a little bit like if, as you go into who should we be looking for next season in the Premier League because people are seeing Forest for the first time who who should we be looking out for um, well we've got a lot or not a lot we've got three academy players going through the spine of the team at the moment Joe Worrell who is the captain at Wembley centre half he's a good defender he's, he's been linked with West Ham quite a lot but he'll stay at Forest now Ryan Yates in central midfield um, one of those very unflashy ball-winning midfielders who supporters love because he's come through the academy and he works really, really hard. And Brennan Johnson's the big one. Yeah. He'll, he'll be at the World Cup with Wales. Uh, he, again, is an academy product. His name is Brennan because uh, his dad, David, was Forest striker in the noughties, uh, very successfully, played for Ipswich as well. Mm. Um, and his best mate at Forest was our then Canadian left-back, Jim Brennan. And they were such good friends that he called his son Brennan. Brennan Johnson. Wow. Um, he, he is a really, really talented footballer. He won't be at Forest for very long, but now we're in the Premier League. We'll have him for at least one more season, I think. He, he could he could be one of those players who gets a big move off the back of a decent World Cup, I think. But he's definitely one to watch. And yeah, hopefully we can keep some of the low knees. But if not, I feel like we've got the financial backing to to make no, we, we're not going to be finishing the top half or anything like that. But I I think that we are capable of finishing higher than Fulham and Bournemouth. And then we're just looking at somebody else to, to hopefully yeah. get dragged in and we can finish above them. Yeah. And my message to Sky, I tweeted this literally the second Nottingham Forest got promotion. Right, get your fixture computer out. It's 30 years since the Premier League. The first Super Sunday of the season, I want to see at the City ground. I want Liverpool. Mm. I, I even want Forest to win 1-0. If Teddy yeah. can come out of retirement, that'd be great. But, He'll definitely be in the studio, won't he? 100%. Yeah, definitely. At least bring back the here we go, here we go, this is it. I should have had that. That should be their match of the day tune. They should never have changed it. Bring that what? back, but not Richard Keys. Not Richard Keys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> flying, flying badges, but no Richard Keys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt, where can people, if they want to talk Forest or follow you on the Chelsea stuff or all your other things, where can people follow you on the uh, Twitterverse? Yeah, get me on Twitter at Matt Davis Adams, D A V I E S Adams. It's all one word. Um, yeah, come and join me. Let's talk about Forest. And I love that your profile picture is still an image of a drawing that was sent to us when we did our GP days that somebody had drawn the team um, and not without even meeting us, but and yours is particularly brilliant of drawing of yourself. So and I love it, it is freakily like me. Yeah. I know. Having never met you, well done. I can't even, I don't know who can't, at the time I probably knew who drew it, but I cannot remember it now. Um, and Ed, if they want to drink in the tavern, you, you know, how, where can people go and join you and chat some footy? Uh, at Tavern Football. Come along, Simple join as. in. Simple as. Sim- simple as that. Yeah, straightforward. Yeah, I like your soap star little thread you were doing yesterday. Was oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I just thought uh, footballers that have got the same name, uh, same surnames as uh, soap stars. And it came across to me that uh, nobody in EastEnders ever actually went to see Dr. Leg. Do you ever recall in EastEnders if someone was ever ill? They would go, oh, why don't you go and see Dr. Leg? And they'd always go, no, no, I'm all right. So he must have been bloody terrible at his yeah. job. He was, so, like Richard, he was like Richard Goff, though. He was old for yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah, like, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Leg was always old. Yeah, yeah definitely. So. Old. Yeah. And it, it allowed me to tell that story where I once interviewed Stuart Barlow and called him Gary for about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when you walk away and go, I called him Gary, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keeping, it, keeping it 90s as always. Um, follow, yeah. follow the show at AK90s on Twitter. And until next time, we'll be talking more 90s nonsense. We'll probably get some tournament stuff as we're heading into a summer with our actual relevance in the football world. So I'm sure we'll be back soon talking some of that. And Matt will have you definitely back on again soon. But I've been Ash Rose. This is Alive and Kicking. Keep it 90s. <laughs>